0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. I want to minister tonight out of the second part of a message that I began last week on strife, on the thought saying goodbye to strife. By the way, I want to thank the worship team for taking us up into the glory tonight. Amen. Amen. Appreciate all of our teams. Tremendous this evening. Last week we began to talk about strife and I had received quite a few responses on the subject of strife and how strife affects us. And uh, sometimes you just got to say goodbye to strife and not be a participator of strife. In fact, I believe that we have to do whatever it takes to not be in strife because as long as we're in strife, We accomplish nothing. Social media can be the worst. Everyone blasting their opinion with hateful rhetoric, anger on display, rage on display, uh, dysfunction in full display. You have the Karens and the Carls who are voicing their opinions And if you don't know what I just said, look over to a young person and ask him, what did he say? People who are always giving their opinion and uh, want to speak to the manager, send their food back 10 times, have an opinion, like to huff and puff and blow everyone's house down. But it's not just on social media, we see rage and dysfunction and hateful rhetoric in the workplace, we see it in the neighborhood, we see it in families, and we can even see it in the church. And sadly, most of this rhetoric accomplishes nothing. And I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus, where there is strife, there will always be confusion. In fact, turn with me to James in the New Testament, chapter 3. And verse 16, this is what James said. He said, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So he equates envy and strife to produce confusion and every evil work. So when you see strife and envy taking place in a situation, in a home, in an environment, in an atmosphere then you can rest assured that the byproduct of that will be a confusion will set in and evilness will slip in. Haven't you seen that? Have you seen the confusion? I believe most of us could testify and say, yes, I've seen the confusion. Have you seen the confusion in our world? All you have to do is watch the TV, watch the internet, and you can see confusion in our world because of the strife. There is confusion, and only God knows the evil work that has been birthed out of strife and out of this confusion that we see in our world. Now listen to me very carefully, ladies and gentlemen. This passage in James chapter 3 and verse 16 is a strong verse. Everyone say strong verse. This is the platform that Satan is using right now to produce evil in our world. All this confusion doesn't come from God. How do I know? Because the Bible said that God is not the author of confusion. Elbow your neighbor and say, Tune in, tune in. God is not the author of confusion. So we know that this confusion doesn't come. From God, because God does not gender strife. God is the opposite of strife. Now, natural people who are not spiritually minded or converted, let me say that again. Natural people who are not converted or who are not spiritually minded are the people in today's world who say they are woke, who say that they are awakened. Because, listen, spiritually minded people are already awakened in their spirit because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't go around acting a fool because you are spiritually alive. You have been awakened in Christ. Somebody smile and say, yes, Lord. I I don't walk around acting a fool because I am already awakened by the Spirit of Christ. But naturally-minded people who possess not a consecrated or a sanctified set-apart mind say they are woke, but their woke comes from confusion and strife. When you don't recognize your enemy, who is Satan, you don't recognize how he is using strife against you. So you end up believing a lie and listening to the voices of corrupt politicians and leaders of movements who are worldly and bear not the mind of Christ. There's a good place to say amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. And this passage tells us that you can be angry, but you don't have to allow sin to be birthed out of your anger. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 26, be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down Up on your wrath. He's saying in this particular passage if you don't control that anger and if you don't control your emotions, the sun will go down on your wrath. And you'll allow wrath to now govern your life and your life will begin to take you places that you really don't want to end up in. So that is why it is so important, you know, Satan seeks to lead God's people into strife and get them out of love. So I come tonight to declare to you, God doesn't want you to remain in strife because if you remain in strife, you will be pulled out of the love of God. He wants to lead God's people into strife, and once you're in strife, you're out. Of love, and that's so very important. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to give you shotgun scriptures tonight. And in verse 1, this is Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, which is equated to us now, even in the year of 2021. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, nothing. And I love how Paul prolifically writes and talks to us in a language that we can understand as he sums up love for us. Getting out of love will affect your results of faith. If you are pulled out of love due to strife and confusion, it will affect your ability to believe. If you are pulled out of love, it will affect your ability to have faith. God wants you to remain in faith because if you don't stay in faith, You cannot receive the promises that were given to you by faith. And there's over 300 promises that are listed in the word of God that are available to you and I, but we have to remain in love to have faith to receive the promise. And the only way we're going to get those promises is by faith. But if we no longer believe the love that God has for us, and we no longer receive the Holy Spirit that has poured into our heart's love, then our lack of belief in the love of God will hinder our faith to believe for the miracles and the power of God to be operational in our life and in our family. You know, listen, there's a lot of people, they're just up and down all the time when the love of God is concerned in their life. One day they feel like God loves them, the next day they feel like they're on the trash heap and God has walked away from them and doesn't desire them and they don't think God loves them. And this is the issue that's got to be settled in our lives today. That not only do you believe in the love of God, but that you also receive the love of God. I'm talking about believing and receiving. Somebody say believe. And receive. It has to be settled in me or I'm always going to be a yo-yo Christian. Always going to be up and down, in and out, every which way but loose. Always going to be like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I'll be all cracked up, stitched up. One day I believe God loves me. The next day I don't think he loves me at all. It's an issue that every believer I have met including myself have had to settle in my heart if I believe God loves me then I have to receive the love of God that he is giving me and when you believe and receive the love of God faith worketh by how much you believe God loves you but if you ever go around thinking that God doesn't love you and that God hates you and God is not for you that he's against you That's going to impact your faith from being able to appropriate the promises that God has made for you. Now look at that passage again because he says in verse one, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and about angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now it's going to be, Very difficult for me to love others if I don't first believe that God loves me. Most people who have a struggle loving other people struggle because they don't love themselves. When they look in the mirror, they say mean things to themselves. I'm fat. My nose is too big. Don't amen me right there. My eyes are too wide. I got one unibrow. (laughs) I need to have some plastic surgery. I don't like the way I look. And when we don't like the way we look and the way we feel, oh, it's quiet here. It's hard to pass out compliments to other people. If you don't love other people, could it be that you have suffered for a while with loving yourself? realizing that God loves you and we know that we weren't the first people to love God the Bible said that he loved us first in first John chapter 4 and verse 19 we love him because he first loved us it was he who initiated the love towards us when I was when I looked real bad and had acne all over my face come on somebody when I was uh pleasantly plump are you here when 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 i my hair got cut the night before school pictures and my mom cut my bangs so high that I had to raise my eyebrows just to look like I had some bangs. Are you hearing me? When you don't love yourself, come on, is there anybody here that ha- has just had a fight sometimes? You, you, you're so skinny, you have to run around the shower just to get wet. You you think I need to put on some pounds I need, and, or I need to lose some weight and we struggle all the time with ourselves and we forget it is he that loved us first. And when you realize that God loved you first by faith. You receive that and remember in your heart he loved me first because he loved me first I can love him and I can love all his people and all his creation because I know and believe that God loved me first. I can love myself and then I can love other people. I can love my neighbor as I love myself because I now love myself because I know God loves me. In verse 2, he said, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of the great secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be what? Nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body and bragged about it on Facebook, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Nothing. And all that I've said tonight is very true, but I'm focusing in today on the very beginning of loving other people, and that is first believing that God loves you. There's something that's so very important that when you know that faith worketh love, it's just like a car works by gas. You've got to have gas in order for a car to run. I don't care what else you put in it. If you don't put gas in it, it ain't running. If you have an electric car and it runs by electricity, you've got to have electricity in order for the car to run. And so in order for our faith to run and to operate, then we've got to believe that God loves us and believe in the love of God that he has for us and believe that love will not only equip us, it'll equip us to love other people and believe that the love of God will equip us to also love ourselves i have to have a faith to believe in the love of god for faith to be activated and for it love to work into my life let me show you what i'm talking about turn with me to the book of deuteronomy chapter one in the old testament in deuteronomy chapter one i have a question what is it that will cause a person to rebel against the things of god What is it that would cause a person to be adamant and to to puff their chest out and shake their fist and their bony finger and say no to God? What is it that would cause a person to yield to the spirit of strife instead of the spirit of God? Look at verse 26. This is what the word of God said, notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment. Of the Lord your God. And I had to stop there and ask the question what would make somebody do that? What would make me rebel against the word of God? What would make me rebel against the commandment of the Lord? And then he reads on that you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us. He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Now you have to ask the question, what is the cause of all of this? What is the cause of them having this conversation with God? They did not believe that God loved them. Somehow it had entered into their mind that God hated them. Because isn't that what they said in verse 27? Because the Lord hates us. They had it in their mind that God was against them, that God was out to destroy them. So they rebelled against the commandment of God because they did not sense the love of God. Their faith had not enacted them to believe and they couldn't run faith in their life like gasoline in a car to keep going, and because they had not the love of God or the equation of understanding... They simply stopped where they were and tried to defer to God as if He was a hater and not a lover. And they referred to Him in the sense that God hated them. They didn't believe that God loved them. He hates us. And because He hates us, it's going to be very difficult for you to believe in His promise if you don't believe in His love. If you can't receive the love of God, then you surely won't be able to activate your faith to receive the promise of God. Can I get a smile from somebody? It becomes very difficult, and that's what strife is designed to do. I'm going somewhere tonight. Strife is intended to snatch you out of the love of God and if strife and confusion can birth that, then you will be pulled out of the love of God and your faith will be dry and you won't be able to activate to believe on the promise of God and you'll sit around in the mullet groves wondering why is God working for this person and he's not working for me. I'm telling you everything that you need comes from the love of God. The love of God will hold you, the love of God will constrain you, the love of God will pick you up out of a pit. The the love of God will clean you up. The love of God will set your feet in order and order your steps. The love of God will get in your business. The love of God will get in your real estate. The love of God will get in your transactions. But if you don't have faith to believe in his love, to receive his love, then your faith hinders you from receiving the promises that are on the other side of the love. That's what strife is. It's designed to stifle you. He wants to capture you. The enemy wants to capture you in strife and pull you out of love. And then when you don't believe that God loves you anymore, you then end up rebelling against everything God says in his word. And the enemy just sits back and just watches the movie he produced and watches you and everybody has these promises but they're not believing God now they're cussing each other out everybody's doing all kinds of crazy stuff they're cray cray because he knows at the end of the day they're just going to go back to what life used to be and he wants to be able to sit on the throne in the middle of darkness because we don't really recognize the real enemy that is behind the scenes you see avoiding strife makes you strong I want you to write that down. If you are a person who can avoid strife, you are a strong person. Popeye said, I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the sailor man. Somebody make a muscle and say, beep, beep. Avoiding strife makes you a strong person because you have to put up resistance. And when you put up resistance, Long enough, your muscles build. You're, you resist strife and you become a strong person. And people who are strong because they learn how to resist strife, gossipers don't get along with them. Tailbearers don't get along with them. People who resist strife will shut strife down before it has a chance to hiccup. If you are a person that is a zero strife tolerant person, people who stir up strife won't even go near you because they're afraid you're going to put them in their place. And putting them in their place is not against them. It's just reminding them what the word says. So when you are a person that avoids any type of strife, you are a person that is strong because you have learned how to exercise resistance Ooh, it's quiet in here, but it's fun. Discord and strife makes you weak. Are you always in discord? Always into it with somebody? Always got a burr in your saddle? Always got a bee in your bonnet? Oh, always got a hitch in your get along. Come on, somebody. Discord and strife make you a weak vessel. Look at Mark chapter three. Mark chapter three and verse twenty-five says you've got to avoid strife because it'll make you strong. But look at this. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot what? It cannot stand. May I say it this way? If the government is divided against itself, it cannot stand. If management and labor is divided against itself, it cannot stand. If society and neighborhoods are divided against itself, it cannot stand. Do you see this? They are spiritual godly principles that are very plain that wherever there is division, they cannot stand. If there is division... It will not stand. I'm preaching to somebody. You're going to have to get rid of the division in order to be able to be successful and to stand. And guess what? Your enemy knows it. Your enemy knows that if you get divided, you won't be able to stand in your marriage. The enemy knows that if you get divided, you won't be able to stay at a church for too long. The enemy knows that if you get divided, you'll quit every job in town because you think the boss is picking on you. A divided house will not stand. Oh, it's so quiet in here. So what does the enemy do? He does everything. He throws the kitchen sink at you. He'll supply all the little seeds necessary for division to Come on in. And he knows that anything divided will not stand. A marriage divided against itself, it cannot and it will not stand. I mean, This is it's being made clear to you that you and I have got to learn how to attack strife. We've got to attack division and say, not today, devil. You can't have my home. You can't have my relationships. You can't have my church. You can't have my home, my spouse, my marriage, my children. You can't have anything that God said is mine because I received the love of God after I believed in the love of God. And I believed then received and I activated my faith and now I believe that God's promises are available to me because I am loved of the Lord and I am worthy to receive every benefit in the kingdom of God. He said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. I have a key to the health department. I have a key to the treasury department. I got a key to every door that God said that I can open. Is there anybody that believes that tonight? Gets me into the promises of God. <laughs> and the enemy knows that if he can divide us, that we will not stand. I mean, I'm looking at this thing that's going on in our world today. And it's like our world is so dark that we can't even see the real truth. We can't even see who the real culprit is and we can't even see the real issue behind this confusion. And that what happens when we choose to ignore God, even the smallest things dating into our history of taking prayer out of school, even those things have caused America to become divided from what is a woke new way of thinking, from thus saith the word of God, the principles of faith, the foundations of our forefathers. And I'm not talking just about American forefathers. I'm talking about biblical forefathers, people who exercised faith, who hoped against hope that they might become. Can I tell you that in America, We have a great division among us, and I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm not preaching to you as if you don't already know this, and I do not care one way or another of what side of any fence you sit on. I'm not interested in the fence. I'm interested in the door that leads me through the gate and Jesus is the only way Buddha is not the way Mohammed is not the way Joseph Smith is not the way there's no guru you can can hum into a crystal ball and hum till you numb but that's not the way the only way to heaven is through Jesus the only way for reconciliation is through Jesus I wish I had some blood washed saints who understand we know Who's behind this confusion? Our world is messed up. And when we make these kinds of decisions of taking God out of our schools and taking God in prayer out of the courts and, and the, just all that stuff and just now won't afraid to say the name of Jesus. Can pray to anybody but Jesus. And now the Christians the people who name the name that has power to deliver, who name the name that can bring you off of drugs, who name the name that can bring you out of perversion and lust, who name the name that can bring you out of alcoholism and I preaching to somebody who can bring you out of every mess. That name is still the name I call on. I don't call on a mystic power of a universe. I don't call upon some cosmic God. I call upon the only name whereby men must be saved and that name is Jesus. Does anybody believe that his name still has power? Tell the devil, take that devil in the name of Jesus. I'm supposed to be teaching. We make decisions because we don't know and realize who is confusing our mind we're clueless and in darkness and we think that our intelligence is more important than the principles of god because we now follow this new woke movement putting us in a place where we say i don't even believe there is a devil And not recognize that the very thing he's been working for is for you to not believe that there is a devil. We gotta wake up. Thank you for that, amen. I'll take it. Say, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up this nation. We gotta wake up the body of Christ. Look at what's happening here shake yourself and wake yourself up and say, I'm no longer going to fall for the traps and the devices of the enemy. I will not become a captive to the enemy. Paul began to instruct believers and he began to show us the things that we need to do, the things that make up strife, that if we can begin to look a certain uh, at certain things, we can fight against the spirit of strife and put it down. And if God help me, I want to give you six things to I, that I believe that God will help us to do to fight against strife. Are you ready? Number one, Romans 14 and 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherefore, wherewith one may edify another. And in this particular passage, don't just become someone that wants to stir contention, but follow after the things that make peace. I want to ask you tonight, is that happening in your life? Are you following after the things that make peace? Is that happening? Can you start by making sure it is happening in your life first? Go after those things that make peace. Run after the things that are peaceful. Run after the things that God has said is for peace. Go after the thing that's going to cause this thing to be peaceful right here and right there. And the things where we we build up one another. Go after those things and seek out for peace. We have to understand that if we begin to look and to see that... In our nation, our very nation, good Lord, you're talking about the most powerful nation upon the face of the earth. We we need to be looking for things that make for peace, not things that cause confusion and strife. Can you imagine if the Democrats and the Republicans would just take that one scripture and say, let's come to the table and let's compromise and follow the things that will make for peace and let's do things that will edify another person. Let's do things that will edify our nation and edify our country. But when that's not done, you see strife and confusion and every evil work even though we have been given clear instructions in the word of God and what we are supposed to do. Follow the things that make for peace. Number two, Romans 15 and five says, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. So here is the problem. Somebody says, well, I I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind being like-minded. That's fine. But he said it has to be according to Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't mind being like-minded. But the key is, he said it has to be according to Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. According to Jesus Christ, that's how you become like-minded. There's got to be this place where everybody agrees that's the place where we will agree. This is the place we will agree on. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless what? They are in agreement. And this scripture is strongly recommended. He says, now the God of patience and consolation grant you, grant me to be like-minded. He provides and has given us everything we need to be like-minded towards one another. But that like-mindedness has to come from the spirit of Christ Jesus. That's the only way we can agree at the table is in the like minded according to Christ Jesus. Here's the third one in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak, that you all speak the same thing. Look at here, and that there be no divisions among you. Then he goes on to say, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. And in the same judgment, look what he says, that there be no divisions among you. Have no divisions. Have no divisions. Racism is a spirit of division that is magnified in hate. I'm aware that racism is a quick judgment of a particular race of people to try to rate them either superior or inferior and then to begin to operate in bias or partiality and all of that is governed in strife. It is governed in hate. Are you here? Racism is the spirit of division. My God that is magnified in hate. Look at what the Bible says here. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, look at this, that there be, he says, the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Are you with me? So here's what happens. When we decided to kick the Bible out, you know, I don't want to live my life according to that. When we decided that we can now live by our woke, woke culture and we can give new names to old sins, we can let homosexuals get up on our platforms and lead our music, we can be all shacked up, fornicating, having sex with one another out of, out of the will of God. It's quiet in here now. We go to the bar on Saturday with a margarita in one hand and come walking in on Sunday with a Bible in the other hand. You don't want me to preach to you. Where we have given new names to old sins, where we have killed babies millions upon millions of babies in the slaughter bloodhouses and abortion mills of America. And yet we can glint and think it's okay to kill this person and do this or do that. We are skewed in our mind and skewed in our thinking. We've decided to say, I'll do this, but I won't do that. I like this scripture but I don't like that scripture. What planet do you live on? The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Am I preaching to anybody that believes? This is the book. This is what will save your soul. This is the roadmap that'll lead you all the way home into glory. You don't get to pick and choose what you will or won't believe, and I wouldn't give a plug nickel for a preacher or a church that will not preach the truth. When you remove the common denominator, we have nothing left in agreement. Jesus is our common denominator and when you do try to replace him with gay marriage and replace him with abortion and replace oh you don't want to preach with me cuz we want to be selective in what do not let the devil lie to you imagine a nation that can come together in agreement on the word of god imagine a nation and i can't imagine a nation Come on now. With the Bible and the Constitution. With the Word of God and the Constitution. And we try to figure out why we do we have such an amazing Constitution? It's because we have such an amazing Word of God. This world has changed. And it's on a downward spiral for hell. Without the Word of God. When the Word of God is no longer considered, there will be... No reconciliation. We can't get rid of the word of God and expect to ever become to a place where we have the same mind and the same judgment. And my prayer is that the United States of America will return back to the word of God as its final authority. Somebody says, well, that's not going to happen, Pastor. But what I don't understand is in a court of law, why do you have somebody put their hands on the Bible lift their hands and say, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I mean, somehow we see evidence that it was a serious, serious document and a serious, serious book that we could at one time come in agreement on it was the authority I don't know what happened over the years people just backed away from the word of God but I still believe that this book and this Bible is infallible it will never fade away I don't care what your disposition is it will never outrule or override this word look at your neighbor and say I don't care what funny thing you believe the word of God is true somebody said pastor it's futile for you to believe that I don't believe that I'm still going to pray I'm still believing that God somehow some way will bring an awakening to our nation, an awakening to the church of Jesus Christ where we will return to the word of God as our final authority. I believe it, and I believe God can do anything. I believe he can change the minds of this world. And I guarantee you this one thing, if things get so bad that you just don't know what to do, I guarantee my life, that you will turn to the word of God Amen. again. Here's the fourth one, I, I got to hurry. Ephesians four, one through three, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, and here it is, forbearing one another in love. Then he would go on to say in verse 3, to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Forbearing one another in love. We don't have to agree on everything, but we've got to learn how to disagree agreeably and still walk away from the table loving one another. Not getting mad, huffing and puffing, defriending everybody. If I see one more person at January 1st tell... Us on Facebook that they're cleaning their list out. I just want to say, go ahead and delete me now. Bye, Felicia. Every year you make the same proclamation. Uh, who cares? Nobody wants to hear your mess. If you want to delete somebody, delete somebody. Get on with yourself. Put all your business out there. You've got too much going on. You need to be, if you were in the Word of God as much as you were in Facebook. We got to learn how to agree to disagree and walk from the t- away from the table in agreement, even if we don't agree on every bullet point. But you can't decide that you don't want to have nothing to do with me because of my skin color or my persuasions of poliz- policies or my economics. What gives you the right to walk away from me? I have shook hands with people at funerals have talked about me behind my back and I knew they did because the Holy Ghost showed me all because they did not know how to disagree agreeably everyone now in this world is fighting raging mad wanting to burn buildings down wanting to kill people I understand who's behind it is it these people sitting in the row is it the white people Is it the black people, the brown people? Who's to blame for all this? Must be the red people. We blame everyone except for who we should be blaming. I only tell this story occasionally because it's a very transparent story. When I was in junior high, about ready to go into high school, our school received a threat that the gangs, and I'm from the hood, The gangs in our community and in our school, in junior high, in the 80s, 88 rocks, anyhow. (laughs) Anywho, I was in junior high and there was going to be a big gang fight. Gangs, there was three gangs that were going to fight each other. And they were going to fight each other on the walk bridge that extended over the interstate. That just happened to be my only way home, or the short way home. So I thought, I can outrun them. I'm skinny, I'm fast. Well, the time I got to the walk bridge, the gangs had been met by the police and met by school officials, and the principals were all there, and they shut it down. And I thought, good, I can get home. I got on the other side of the walk bridge and I was surrounded by a gang, because they were angry they wanted to fight and somebody stopped their fight and I was their victim they they pulled out knives, they run those knives on the back of my neck, all the way around my neck all the way around my head told me all the ugly things they were going to do to me and I was fearful for my life I, I lost my breath I was overwhelmed with fear and I did the only thing I knew to do was to run. And I became the bionic man. <laughs> I mean, I took off. Some of you all know who Steve Austin is. Come on, son. Lee Majors. Anybody know? Yeah. Two people. Yeah, okay, okay. I got more witnesses over here in the old section. Come on now. And I mean, I go, na, 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 Come on now. And I came to a fence. And Bentley, I kid you not, I, gross, I jumped that fence and caught the back of my, my britches. <laughs> ripped <laughs> out my britches and kept a running. Scared to death. I was. I was. And I had nightmares after that. I got so scared. I was tormented in my sleep. And I started having resentment towards a certain people group. Let something happen to you. Let something happen to you. It stays. So I can stand up here tonight and tell you. I know what some things feel like. I may not know what everything feels like. But I know what that did to me. Fear got a hold of me. And fear pulled me out of the love of God. I'm telling you, I fought a fight. Went to try to take this individual to court for what they had done. But because this young person who was... So old he shouldn't even been in junior high. He had flunked so many. He had a beard down to here. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and him and his brother, the same way. They they bullied people. I did everything I could to avoid them. Went to take them to court. The judge and whoever was involved did not tell us any of the dates. They just wanted to drop this thing. And because we didn't show up, they dropped the case. I was so angry. But what I didn't prepare myself was for all of the internal turmoil and strife and confusion. I lost sleep. I would wake up sweating. It would go on for a year or more. Over time the Lord helped me. And I was in a service where the Lord's Spirit came in. And God helped me to release that. And I gave it to God. And he lifted that load off of me. I'm telling you, there was some work involved in it. Because don't you kid yourself that the devil didn't try to come back up on my little mind and put it back on me again. But I had to learn how to cast it down. Where Paul would say to cast down vain imaginations and anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Bring it into obedience. Tell it what to do. I had to learn how to do that with the help of God's love. And do you know how I know I got the victory? I'm not even going to finish my points. But do you know how I know I got the victory? My sister was engaged to be married to a man. And his best man was this man who had pulled a knife off. Can you imagine? But I knew that God had delivered my mind from it. That was his best friend. (laughs) Woo, talk about it getting close to home. But when I had nothing in the pit of my stomach, but the joy of the Lord, I remembered that old song, I have no fear what man can do. The Lord I serve will pull me through. I'm telling you that love will pull you out of strife. I, I didn't have time to finish all of this tonight. But I want you to understand something. Strife will pull you out of love and love will keep, if you're pulled out of love, you will be pulled out of faith and you won't have faith to believe for the promise of God because strife and envy and confusion will keep you so bound up that you lean when you walk, you lean toward a and 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 everybody knows when you open your mouth, you're going to hit this thing again. You're going to talk about this again. It's going to be on your radar again. And I'm not saying we're oblivious. We don't stick our head in the sand and are unaware of cultural things and things that have happened in our community or in our nation. But remember who you are. If I would have let the devil to torment my mind, I don't know that I would have ever got victimized. And I might have been just one of these people that ran around and thinking that this race is this way and this race is that way and these people are this way. Excuse me. Discrimination and racism goes in every direction. You know how I know that? Because I'm a white person who pastors a diverse church. I've had to learn culture and it's been for my benefit I tell our people when people say we don't see color, yes you do you see it and celebrate it amen we can't let what's happening in this nation pull us out of the love of God we have to come to the table respect one another honor one another and love one another. We may not always agree and we may not even know how to understand because wherever you've come from you may not even know how to understand but it's having the spirit of Christ who is the common denominator that we are like minded according to Christ Jesus. Amen. That's why we can hug each other, love each other, cry on each other. And it doesn't matter. Look on your row. Look at the people around you. Don't everybody look like you? Thank God. Amen. Aren't you glad you don't look like the person next to you? Come on now. But what makes us beautiful is the makeup and the chemistry that God put in the DNA of Bethel Family Worship Center. And we have got to fight to hold on to it. Amen. we got to fight to hold on to it. And we cannot lose what God has given us. Would you bow your head for a moment? I want the Holy Spirit to have room to move in our heart. Come back to the Word of God. Come back to the Word of God. Let nothing be done through strife. Let nothing be done through vainglory. Come back to the Word of God. In lowliness of mind, esteem other people better than yourself. Look out for the needs of your brothers and sisters. Try to be very careful not to say anything offensive. I realize as a pastor, I have a great responsibility to say things that are edifying, Not things that caused... Now listen, when I'm addressing sin or I'm dealing with the devil and I'm going to bust him in his last tooth, I'm not afraid to do it. But I know that in this hour of which we live, we have got to say goodbye to the strife. Do not allow yourself to be pulled into the strife. You may feel this or that. All of us have felt one way or another. But we can come to the table. We don't have to write each other off. We don't have to throw our hands up and say, I'm done with you. We don't have to give ultimatums to people who don't look like us or think like us. If we are like-minded according to Christ Jesus, then we will cause strife to die and you'll have no room. Father, I ask that you would create love and harmony and faith to be exercised in this place that the spirit of Christ would move in our heart that we would become Christians Christ-like people who look to you in all things And so tonight examine every heart, examine our heart and our mind, bring us to the table and help us to Lord to refrain from strife and envy and help us Lord to remember the love of God. Father, I just pray that tonight even in what's happening in our world and everybody trying to push us at odds with this person and odds with that person and hateful rhetoric and screaming and violence and all of the emotions that are wrapped up in, Lord, you see all things and you know all things, but Lord, help your people, help your people, your called out ones, your consecrated, sanctified believers who hold to this gospel. Help us to set the example. Help us to raise the standard. Help us to look different. Help our speech to even be different. That I won't be caught up in what this person's past and this person's history and this person's way of thinking. I will not allow myself to be archaic. I will remain biblical and in faith that the gospel of Jesus Christ be not hindered in my life. That my life will become a living example of love to all people. And so allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart tonight. I want the the, the altars are open to whoever wants to just come and pray as we begin to sing. Come. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center.